Journey to Organization, episode 151, Aliza Ben Shalom on National Singles Day and how to get organized when you're a single. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Personal Organization. And this week, in honor of National Singles Day, I've invited Aliza Benchalom to talk about being signal and organization, of course. Aliza has inspired thousands of singles through her acclaimed relationship coaching. She has captivated singles from all over the globe through her webinar and YouTube channel. Her mission and her passion is helping singles get over their hurdles and under the chuppah. Aliza delivers lectures motivating and driving individuals to affect real change in their lives and has reached an international audience through her appearance on BBC London, NPR, and H.com. She is the founder of the company Marriage Minded Mentor and author of Get Real, Get Married, and Virtual Dating. With her empowering words and boundless energy, she helps singles who are yearning for their life partner manifest their soulmate. Aliza and her team of coaches guide singles through the steps to become engaged regardless of age, affiliation, or stage in life. Men and women worldwide work with Aliza and her certified dating coaches to break through patterns and cultivate relationships that lead to marriage. She also offers online training programs for singles, dating coaches, and matchmakers. Aliza's a loving wife and the mother of five children. Welcome, Aliza. Thank you so much. Alisa, I am very curious to know, how did you get to be a dating coach? Right? It's a funny thing because it's not a real, it's not a job and it's not something you can go to school for. (laughs) Um, You know, I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I knew that I wanted to get married and have a family. Those were my main life goals. I did go to college. I got a degree, but um, I really, I still really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I actually started out as a matchmaker on Salyut Sinai on a dating website online. And I was like, this is all right. But then I started to talk with people and get to know them. And I was like, oh, I do something different than matchmaking. And it just became this aha moment of, I'm a coach. Okay, wait, now what do I do with that? So I took my idea and my chesed, my my kindness that I was doing for free. And instead of getting a real job, I started a business because this is the only thing in the world that I wanted to do. It's a real job. Yeah, it is. Totally is. But I, I mean, like everybody else is like, no, you, you need a job. You need a real job. And I was like, this, this is a job, but I just have to start my own business because I don't know where else to find, you know, people who are doing what I'm doing. It's amazing. I think it's an awesome job and you must be so satisfied helping so many people. Yeah, there's nothing more in the world that I want to do. This is it. Awesome. So let's dive in and talk about how singles can organize themselves for starting. Let's let's start with starting dating. Let's say someone's just starting out. Okay, so if somebody's starting dating, um, I like that they kind of do, I guess I would call it um, self-reflection at the beginning. Okay. I would want them to think about who they are, what they want, where they're heading, Um, I usually like to break it down into three categories. So when we're talking about organization, I like to organize the brain, right? Some people like to organize their space. I like to organize the space in your brain. Excellent. And yeah, so we have to think about it like this. I break it down into past, present, future. Who was I? How did I grow up? Where did I come from? Who am I now? How's that similar or different from my past? 
and who do I really want to be? What direction am, am I heading? And again, how am I going to be similar or different to that? And when you think about yourself and you get a grip of where you're coming from and where you're heading to, then after that, we could start to talk about who we should look for and how we should go about finding that person. Awesome. Okay. And I read in your new book uh, that you, ha- like you have this exercise, uh, make some space, right? Yes. <laughs> I love that exercise. <laughs> it's like the perfect organizational exercise. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. So I do use personal space as something to represent letting somebody into your heart, into your head and into your life. And I usually tell people, you've got to clear out your most valuable space. So whether it's the counter in your room or, you know, something in your bathroom where your toothbrush is, your favorite spot or your favorite spice rack, if you love to cook, um, just clear it out, empty it out and make that space with nothing in it. And you are not allowed to put anything in it, except you could put like an empty box and it can say, you know, like my partner's space or, you know, like this is saved for my soulmate and you put it right there. And every time you go to grab that favorite thing of yours that has been sitting there for the last three years, you're like, Oh, right. I moved it. (laughs) And it just shifts your brain and it gets you in check with right. Somebody's coming into my life. They're coming into my space. Things are going to be different. We're going to make adjustments, but I'm going to start to make the adjustment now so they don't, that I don't have a complete shock when somebody enters my world and I can't handle it and it's too overwhelming. Right. It's like manifesting what you want. Exactly. Yeah. Get ahead of the game. Right. But what (laughs) I love about it, and I think this is something that a lot of people, my regular listeners will appreciate because I talk about this all the time. It's like, I always say, like, if you want something to come into your life, you have to make space for it. And, and when you're holding on to like these old blessings, you can't allow a new blessing to come into your life. And I feel like that's very, like the idea is very, very similar because you, you need that space to allow people or things or thoughts or whatever to come into space if you, if you want that to happen to you. Absolutely. And in terms of the heart, we have to let go of past things and we have to make a little bit of a void, like, you know, a little hole, but a healthy hole inside of your heart where you have space for somebody to come in and that we do feel an amount of lack or loneliness or something that promotes desire to find that person and motivation to actually make an effort to do it. If I'm feeling completely full and happy and my life is great and like, yeah, I could add somebody into my life, but like, eh, unless they fit in perfectly, it's not going to work because I don't really need them because everything's great. Then I don't really have a real space in there. So we actually have to kind of pull back from our highest joy in order to make space for somebody to come in to get us even higher than we think we could go on our own. So, well, what happens to the people who feel like, They've done that, but they haven't been able to manifest. Is that like a blockage or? Uh, usually I tell people that we, um, we make plans. We do the best that we can and we have our timeline, but our timeline isn't necessarily God's timeline. So everything needs to come into our life. It has to be the right person and it has to be the right time. And so if it didn't happen now, then your time was better spent doing what you've been doing and becoming who you've needed to become. And just because it didn't happen doesn't mean that it won't happen. A lot of people think, well, it hasn't happened yet and I've done everything that I need to do and like, that's it. If it was gonna happen, it would have happened by now. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. If it would have happened, it would have happened. If it didn't happen, then it's still on the to-do list. It's up and coming. And 
you just have to have an understanding of the way that the world was created, which was with your soulmate in mind. Like the, it's supposed to be that you come into this world, you find your person and you get married. When? I can't tell you. Is it going to happen in your late teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, more than that? We don't know, mm -hmm. but we do know that that person is here and that they exist. And I assume that they're probably looking for you as well. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think so. I, I <laughs> do you think that there's only one right person? No. Um, so it's a good question. I asked somebody once, one of my clients, I said, well, how many, you know, possible, you know, right people do you think might be out there? And he said, I don't know, maybe a hundred. I said, Ooh, a hundred of, of, of those hundred. How many have you already met in your lifetime? And he's like, maybe five. And I was like, Okay. I was like, do you still think there's a hundred? And he goes, maybe not. How many do you think? I said, <laughs> I don't think that there's more than 10. Uh, might there be somewhere closer to seven or eight? Yeah. Um, is there only one person? No. Is there more than one person? For sure. We see people that get married, they get remarried, divorced, widowed, people find, you know, partner second, third time round. Um, there's lots of things that happen in life. Um, there might be somebody who's more right for you at this moment now, right? And then if your partner wouldn't be here or would pass on or other things, there is another partner that's available to you. Yes. Um, I always think that. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. So there's not just one right person. And I mean, look, if you're very particular, I don't like the word picky, but if you have preferences, cause you're a human being, cause we all have preferences and you right. have a lot of preferences, you might not see as many people that appear to be appropriate for you. If you're very flexible, you might look around the world and be like, well, this could work. That could work. You might be more open. Um, but there are people that are here for you that are right for you. And there's at least several, some might be more right for you than others, but there's a range of, of right and good and healthy for you. So it's funny because like I always, I'll just share a little about, I don't think my listeners have ever heard this before, but I like made up this thing like very young in my life. I'm like, I don't want to get divorced. And, and I, I feel like everybody's right for me until they're not right for me. And I met my husband mm -hmm. when I was 16 and wow. I knew like after two weeks, like I was going to marry him and everybody's like, you don't know, you're so young things can change. You do the most growing between the time we're 16 and, and 21. And, and I, I definitely think we had some growing pains, but I, that were probably my fault, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, cause you do grow and you do change, but like, it, it was so clear, like, and, and I think it was just because I was very open to myself about like, everybody's the right person till they're not. I like that, that they're soulmate until proven not soulmate, right. opposed, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, I, I do subscribe to that. And um, I usually tell people, I have a, a couple like regular lines that they know from me, quotes and phrases. And one is when in doubt, go out. The other one is date them till you hate them. And it's basically following your, your philosophy, which is you're my soulmate until proven that you're not. And right. therefore I'm going to keep going out with you under the premise that this is going to work until I see that it's really not. And then when it doesn't work, then I can move on. And I like that premise because it assumes that a, the right person is out there. It assumes that the person you're with is the right person for you at this moment until you find out that it's not. 
And I think that's a really healthy way of going about it. So you did a great job and oh, you got thanks. really lucky that it happened. So yeah, it's such a right? blessing that it happened so early. Okay. So I had other problems with other things. Like I went through a lot of <laughs> nannies. Let, let me just say that. Okay. When my, my twins were born, we went through like a whole bunch of nannies. And I said to my husband, I'm like, it's Kapara. I found you so easily. It's an atonement. Like I, I, like I had to suffer a little bit somewhere. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And we all, we all have different things. I met my husband when I was 25. Um, he was 35 at the time. And and he suffered, you know, longer trying to find his person. And for me, you know, I thought that, tw- I mean, 16 is much better than 25, but 25 was, um, I found it to be a blessing. And then I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. So we got married and I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. I had to kind of figure this out along the way. And it wasn't, right. I didn't really have my aha moment until later on. And, uh, and then I figured that out. So we each have our struggles wherever, yeah. wherever they're supposed to be. hundred percent. The funny part is, is my friend later on told me, she's like, I remember after you met him that you came back and you were like, oh, the biggest loser just asked me for my email address. I- <laughs> but then like we emailed for like two weeks and then we saw each other again after two weeks and and that was it like after that like I got to know him online and I'll just I'll say I'm 39 um so like if that gives everybody a little context this was like the late 90s um so we had email we definitely wrote each other a letter wrote each other letters but like uh like we were corresponding online until we got to see each other in person. And I mean, I was in high school, he was in college, like we weren't together really, but like, I was your person. Right. He was. And, and also I felt like the online wasn't, it was challenging, but like we weren't ready to get married. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't marry him. Like I was only 16. Like, it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> like, Some people get married at 16, but that true. wasn't for you. My parents didn't even want me to get married when I got married. They're like, no, you have to graduate from college. But I was persistent <laughs> and I wore them down. They wanted me to wait another year, but I didn't. And like, and I don't regret it, actually. Uh, I, I think it was the best thing because I was like more motivated to finish because I really wanted to get on with my life. And like, yeah. feel like I would stop playing house and like be like a real person like in a real marriage but I was in a real marriage the whole time time. right I mean you dated for a long enough time that you actually really knew each other right and that this 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 was real this wasn't just uh it wasn't like what I did which was we dated for three weeks and we got engaged after four months (laughs) 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 but that's the thing I was ready I was like I as soon as like I saw him the second time I was like yep that's it I know and I feel like people always say to me, like, well, how do you know? And I'm like, you just know, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have that question, how do you know? And in terms of figuring that out, I usually help guide people through the head and the heart. And we break down the difference between what am I thinking and how am I feeling? Okay. And again, if we're talking about systems and organization, it's very difficult because your thinking is something that you can't see. It's inside your head, your feelings. It's some, something inside your body, right? You could right. feel it, but it's not, it's not data. It's not a spreadsheet in front of you. And I like to get the thinking and the feelings out on paper so that we could actually see it a little bit more in real time, what it looks like and try to assess, you know, am I feeling comfortable? You know, do I think this has potential and, and can I see this going somewhere and what's holding me back? And, you know, what are my fears and what are my values? And 
kind of lay out who I am, who they are, you know, who, what this relationship is and what potential it has and almost put it on like a spreadsheet. This is how I, because I don't have um, an app yet, I'm working on that. Oh, but yeah. I have, yes, I have a system. Um, actually, that's, I'll give you a little sneak peek. It's called Illumidate. Okay. Um, bring to light if this one's right. And the goal is to figure out based on your values and your fears and the things that irritate you in a relationship and all those bonuses, how do I know if this person is right for me? And there's actually a little sneak peek of that in the book in chapter 13 in virtual dating. It talks about that and it goes through it at a very light level. But when you go through that um, at a very intense, in an intense way, it helps you to clarify do I want the person that's in front of me as a life partner or am I just enjoying dating and I, I'm really not there yet? Mm -hmm. And it just makes the process a little easier. So it like organizes like your internal feelings so that you can make an external decision. Yeah. Internal thoughts, thoughts and feelings. Uh -huh. Exactly. I love that. That like makes it so easy. <laughs> <laughs> in theory, right. still, we look at this chart, even though it makes it easy and it's all there on paper. And I do this a lot with people and they, they're like, yeah, Lisa, but I still don't know. I said, yeah, you still don't know what you want to do about this situation, but actually what you do know is the next piece of information you need to find out, right? Do you mm -hmm. need to explore your values a little bit more because they're not as aligned as we thought they were? Do you need to explore some things that you have fears about because um, I don't know, there's divorce runs in your family and you have significant fears around, um, being able to stick with a partner, you know, are there things that this specific partner does that irritates you? And is that holding you back? It does give us insight into a relationship and knowing what we need to figure out next as we're with our partner so that dating can actually be productive and not just passive where it's happening to me and whatever happens happens. I guess I'll figure it out when I figure it out. This is like, no. I know what's going on. I have to figure a few things out. I know what I have to figure out. And when I get to the end of that journey, I'm going to know whether I want to marry you or whether I want to move on. If people are sort of sitting on the fence, is that like a sign to you that it's not really where they're supposed to be? Or is that like not a good measure? Not necessarily a good measure. A lot of people have anxiety, depression. They don't deal with stress well. They are indecisive. Uh, there's many more reasons that somebody might be on the fence and it might not be because this isn't the right relationship. It might be because I have some internal things going on. And so we can't always measure it by that, um, which makes it a little bit difficult because then somebody's going to say, but can I trust my feeling? And my answer is sometimes, but we have to interpret the feeling before we just trust it and we go with it. Because if you deal with anxiety and stress, you don't deal with it well, and you struggle through it every single time, I don't expect any decision that you make in your life to be an easy one, let alone marrying somebody and living with them for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't use that as a basic guideline. I'd rather follow your method of this is my person until there's a deal breaker. If there's no deal breaker and there's things that I like and we're moving ahead and things are improving over the course of time, then there's something really here. Let's keep going with it until I would find out there would be no reason to move along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then in very rare cases, I have people that get to the point where they're close to being engaged. They're not feeling what they want to feel or what they think that they should be feeling, okay. but there's nothing else for them to find out. 
And it's either I'm going to get married because this makes sense, not because it feels right. These are my thinking clients because this makes sense. Like it's the next step. If you don't move forward, you're moving backwards. If you don't move forward, we have to end this. We can't keep going. Like there's, there is nowhere else to go forward. And that is my least favorite type of match because it's very difficult because they're not feeling what they want to feel, what they think they should feel. And it's, could you imagine trying to walk down the aisle and going, well, I hope I'm making the right decision. (laughs) I mean, I think it's a good idea. A lot of people have told me this is a good thing, right? But you're not actually feeling it. It's really hard to do that. But I have seen it happen several times. And it mostly happens to people, again, who struggle with uh, making decisions, who struggle with anxiety, who maybe have never met anybody that has ever felt right. And therefore, it's just nobody's ever felt right. So so we can't ever say that, you know, we have the, the expectation that somebody's going to magically pop into their lives and just fit perfectly. It's just like, this is not something they've really experienced. And so they're going to experience it, but probably after marriage and not before. Do you find that like people have a lot of unreasonable expectations about what it will feel like to, to be sure? Or like, if I'm the right I, one, then I should feel like rainbows and lollipops all the time, right? Right. Should it, usually people <laughs> say, well, shouldn't it be easier? Um, and I usually ask them, well, how easy or difficult of a person and personality do you have? <laughs> right? So <laughs> how, how easy are your friendships? How easy are the other relationships in your life with your family members and your coworkers? In general, if you struggle with people in life, I expect you to struggle with your spouse. It's not going to be much easier. Like you're half the equation. So mm-hmm. however you normally experience life is basically how I expect you to experience your partner. Which is why I have to tell you, it also really worries me when people get into relationships and they're like, oh my gosh, Elise, it's amazing. I'm so, I'm so excited. And they're hardly talking and they're like, oh, bubbly. And, and I'm like, oh, 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 this is one of those fireworks crash and burn relationships. Like, oh, no. Come back down to earth like this. This is not where we want you to be. We want you to be you. We want you to be rational. We want you to be feeling good, but we don't want you to be in la la land and on cloud nine because that's not realistic either. That's not how you normally live, unless you normally live your life like that. And I know very few people who live like that 24 yeah, seven. Right. So, but there are some eternally perky people. There are, and, <laughs> and they will, they will be perky in all relationships. And they usually are the people that will make anything work no matter what. And those people I don't worry about as much okay. because they're like, look, and they usually tell me, they're like, look, even if it's not what I expect, like I'll figure it out it'll be okay. So it won't be what I like. So I'll make, I'll learn to like it or I'll learn to change it or I'll figure it out or I'll work through it. Or like, I I can handle it. That's usually the response. Do you find that a lot of singles have unreasonable expectations about what marriage should be? Like what, once, once they are like, so they're working with you like to get married, but do you have connection with them after they get married? So some of my singles do follow up within, you know, the first year or sometimes even within the first couple of years because I know them so well. And they're like, Aliza, remember we got through something like this when we were dating? What did we do to solve that problem? I forget. I need a reminder. Um, So sometimes I do have connections with them. Um, I would say that in general, you don't really know what you're getting into until you get into it. And it depends on what a person's experience is growing up. 
So if you grow up with that family where everything just worked and it was fine and your parents got along and they're still married and they always work through it and whatever, you kind of see relationships through that lens because that's the closest relationship to you um, that you experienced. And for people that have had a very different experience where parents fought all the time, maybe they stayed married, maybe they got divorced or they had a really horrible experience, then they live through the very negative lens of, you know, well, look, you know, marriage isn't going to be so easy anyway. So like, does it really matter who you pick? You know, it's going to be hard anyway, <laughs> right? So, so I really find that it depends on what your life experiences are, how you grew up, who had the most influence on you, and what you believe about marriage. I think mm-hmm. that that has a strong influence on people and whether or not they're cynical about a relationship working or hopeful some people do have that, uh, you know, well, at least it's better than being single. And I often tell them it's not. And let me yeah. tell you why. Because when you're single and you're lonely, you think it's because you don't have a partner. And when you're married and you feel lonely, now what? Now you're like, wait a minute, I got married to feel lonely. I thought this was going to cure that, right? Loneliness exists inside and outside of relationships. Mm-hmm. That's something that I feel whether I'm in a relationship with somebody or I'm not in a relationship with somebody. That's in relationship to me and how I experience the world. So I do think that sometimes we have this expectation that a change in our status will make things better and take us up to the next level. And like, oh, at least I won't be single anymore. But then we face a whole new set of challenges. Yeah, but you're married and you want to stay married. So how are you going to solve that one? Right, we have to get through the next level. But also I feel like getting married is like really... I I remember feeling like this is a very surreal feeling. Like you're yeah. you're a di- you're a different person but you're the same. Yes. And I, I well, it was hard for it, me. I'll be honest here, okay? I definitely cried the whole almost the whole first year we were married. <laughs> and yeah, and wait, I wait, knew my husband, husband so well. He did knew. He know. He knew. He knew. Right cuz I told my husband I was like I cried a lot when we first got married and he's like no you didn't. And I was like you weren't around, you know, it's not that I cried in front of you. It's it's the adjustment period that's so difficult of getting used to living with a partner, doing the me, we, you, I, whatever kind of thing and figuring out how to live, you know, like we all want to live happily ever after, but what does that actually look like and feel like? And what does that look like on a Tuesday when you both come home from work and there's no food in the fridge and the restaurants are closed and, right. and you're starving and you're, and you're irritable and how do you deal with those types of things in life? And, you know, we're not, we're not always at our best, even when we're with our, especially when we're with our partners, we right. tend to let our guard down. And so navigating the relationships takes you know as much I always tell people as much work as it takes to find the person it takes even more work to keep them and to stay married to them singles hate when I say that they're like Aliza you are not making this very appealing and I was like no realistic I am setting you up to stay married for a lifetime because getting you married is not my problem you staying married for a lifetime that's what I'm worried about so I people think that you know like oh she's a dating coach and I'm like yeah but like secretly my goal is to like keep you married and I'm going to teach you what you need to know now before you get married but you just think I'm helping you with dating but really this is a lifetime worth of skills that I that I work on with people Okay, so let's let's go down that road. So I'm uh, writing a book about organizing for your Jewish life, and uh, in it, I have a section about what to discuss with your partner 
before you get engaged but, or with your with the person you're dating before you get engaged, before you decide to get married. So you can lay out all the cards on the table. So I always say you should talk about money. You should talk about what your goals are. You should talk about what you would like for potential children. You should make sort of a plan for what will happen if things don't go the way you plan and any other like additional things that might be important like you struggle because your parents were divorced or you were abused or any other like traumas that you experienced like what's your list um so it, i guess it's a similar list i would definitely recommend all of the things that you said um i like to know how a couple handles challenges right okay. so like a lot of people talk about a relationships and they're like it's so great it's so great I'm like good did you guys experience any challenges yet and they're like nope not yet I'm like good call me <laughs> call me when that happens <laughs> because I want to know how you get over that hurdle how do you get through challenge like how do you people say how do you fight fair or how do you um, agree to disagree you know how do you respect somebody else's opinion and not be dismissive so I would want to have um, some some discussion around what do we do when we don't see eye to eye? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that is probably the key to many things, right? Because all the topics that you mentioned, money and values and um, future plans, all are going to come up with things that you agree on and things that you disagree on. And how do you deal with the disagreement, right? If we, if we agree on everything, no problem. The problem is when we disagree and we don't know how to move through disagreement, right? So right. money-wise, I'm a saver, you're a spender. How do we deal with that, right? right. School-wise, I want to send the kids here, our future children that are non-existent. I want to send here, you want to send there. But how do we deal with that? Right. As long as we know conflict resolution skills, then we can get through anything that's on our list. A hundred percent. I'm a big champion of a halachic prenuptial agreement. And yeah, so in my that, experience, you know. when one party doesn't want it, it's not a good sign. What is your feeling about it? Yeah, so that is um, something that's newer in the, the dating um, space. And it has a lot of support behind it. Um, and I think the goal is to have everybody's head on straight and to make sure that you're fighting fair, if you know what I mean. Right. right? So um so my dad I'm told me specifically he's like i will not pay for your wedding if you guys don't do this yeah he yeah. was like he, he's like you love each other right now but you don't know what it's going to be like right right i i am in favor of anything that supports a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage for a lifetime and i think that that's an important part of the process and i think it's true that we don't know who we're going to become and we don't know how we're going to feel and five or 10 years. And, you know, we might be discussing fighting fair right now, but down the road, we really don't know what that's going to look like. And so we do have to have rules in place to keep us in a healthy relationship and make sure that things go smoothly, no matter what direction we go. I take a very holistic approach to organization. I think that, that you can not necessarily organize everything in your life, but you can try to plan for scenarios. And like, if mm -hmm. you understand that certain scenarios exist, even if you don't have an active plan, it's not like a, a massive surprise when they come up because you've like been exposed to it. So you can mm -hmm. sort of pivot and be flexible 
and figure out a way to manage the situation with dignity and grace because you had a little understanding about it beforehand. Right. I love pre-thinking and I believe very firmly in pivoting because life is going to throw things at you. You're going to handle it the best that you can. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> got the message. Can't do it that way anymore. Okay. Right. What's, right. Uh, what are my other options? And if you're thinking in the moment about other options, it means it might mean that you didn't pre-think things, right? If you have to like in the moment, like come up with things, it's okay to be resourceful. It's okay to do those things when you need to, but it's great if you can be pre-thinking different ideas and different options and moving through things so that, like you said, you're ready for whatever comes your way. Right. And I mean, there's no way to be ready for every single scenario, but no. the more you can educate yourself on what's possible, I feel like the easier it is to cope um, and, and keep your marriage healthy when, when the inevitable things come up. Exactly. And you have to have flexible thinking. Your, your mind has to be able to bend. If you can only see your point of view and you can never see, even if you don't agree with, but if you can't even see somebody else's point of view and see the validity of it, even if you don't like it, we're not asking you to like it, but we are asking you to acknowledge that it exists as another opinion in the world. Right. If you can't do that, you're not going to be able to live a very long, happy or healthy marriage. hundred percent. Okay. So a question from one of the singles in my group was, <laughs> he said, he was like, we always talk about families and how to manage with families, but how, it's like a struggle sometimes to maintain organization when there are so many other things in my life that I need to accomplish. And sometimes organization just sort of falls by the wayside, especially because, you know, I want to devote time to the person that I'm dating or to find someone to date. And I didn't have a great answer for him. I've never, I, I haven't really been single as a adult. <laughs> God, like, so it's, it's a little bit hard for me to relate to because like, I've always had someone I can rely on. Right. Right. So in terms of organizing your time, I ask people how important it is for them to find somebody now this year, right? So mm -hmm. if you were looking for a job, um, what would you be doing? You would be putting your resume together. You would be making sure you have proper outfits together. You would be networking and talking to people. You would be making applications. You would go in for interviews. And you'd have to make an amount of time in your day and in your week and in your month to accomplish all of that because you have a goal, because you right. really need this job, right? So my first question is, well, how important it is, is it to meet somebody? If you tell me, Elisa, I mean, like, whatever. When it happens, it happens. You know what? Do whatever you want go have a good time, you know, right. can't help you if you don't want to be helped. If you're saying, no, I want to make it happen. I mean, but how do I actually go about doing this? Then I would say, okay, how important it is, is it to you? And they're like, no, I want to meet somebody in the next six months. I said, great. Then we do have to approach it with this business mind and say, okay, so let's get your dating profile together. Let's make sure you do have the right outfits to wear. Let's make sure you have the right topics to talk about. Let's make sure you know what to do on a first date and not, you know, do word vomit and tell them about everything that happened in your life and every trauma <laughs> that ever happened and just open up about everything. Let's 
systematize what you're going to share and when you're going to share it and how you're going to share it and what stories you're going to tell. And, and if this is sounding, by the way, like too much, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, like, do you really do all of this? No, some people throw caution to the wind and they just do whatever they want. (laughs) But if you want to do it systematically, then I would say we need to devote a portion of your week to dating. And the question is, how many hours do you have to devote to that? Like if you're going to be online dating, do you want to put in two hours a week to deal with that? And do you want to put in an hour a week to deal with other dating stuff and another hour a week to networking specifically for dating and another hour a week to social media hunting for somebody online? You know, like there's many different things we can do. And let's just choose the quantity of time that we want to spend on it. And then let's divide up that time um, in a smart way doing activities. At, initially, I like to do things that do not irritate people, right? So okay. if you hate being on social media and looking for people, so don't. If you're okay with going on dating apps, great, do that. If you don't like that, then network with friends. Like pick pick your poison, basically. Pick okay. your least painful thing to do. Start with the least painful thing. And, and then we'll deal with the things that you don't like, you know, round two, you know, if round one doesn't work. I love how you suggested <laughs> Googling everybody. <laughs> i love research if you if you're a little bit you know if you just have a little bit of the stalker in you then (laughs) it satisfies that put on your detective hat (laughs) and put their name in there put in their location put in their what you think they do or where they work or look on linkedin you can find out a lot of information unless you're like one of my clients who's a privacy lawyer who's like Aliza, you will find nothing but my name. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you will find nothing. There's no social media contacts, there's no nothing anywhere because I know what they do online and I don't want my info online. And literally, you just can't find her. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, is also a red flag. If there's nothing online about you, then who are you, right? Because you don't exist in the world unless you also exist online. (laughs) So you do have to have good references if you really are not traceable online. Okay. All right. So I think we covered how singles can maximize their time, like improving themselves and fixing their health and traveling if they want while, while they're single. But I read that you said that you shouldn't date two weeks before or after a major holiday <laughs> and I, I, love this. <laughs> I was like what <laughs> okay so being the organization queen you'll know that before and after holidays are chaos absolute chaos people are coming food preparation what's happening like there's a whole organization system that goes into prep before holidays and when you think about it it's just not a great time. People are potentially traveling, visiting family. There's a lot physically and emotionally that are going on. Uh, we know for singles that a lot of people are going to be like, so you dating anybody? What's happening? And then so two weeks or before or after any major holiday, I call it temporary insanity because mm-hmm. people usually make very poor dating decisions. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's out of pressure, peer pressure or family pressure, internal pressure, Sometimes it's just because I have nothing better to do and I want to distract myself from the chaos of the holiday. But usually it's not a great time. Like now this is generic, right? Plenty of people are dating two weeks before and two weeks after a holiday, but it's better if you start a relationship before then and don't start something new then. Mm -hmm. And right after a holiday, the reason not to do it is because people need to decompress after they've spent time with family, right? (laughs) Now they're like, 
I'll go out with anybody. (laughs) Give me different human beings to hang out with. And you're like, no, we don't want that either. We want you completely focused on finding the right person. We want you emotionally grounded and balanced. And you usually need about two weeks to balance yourself out. And even if it's online, like you don't think people can pull themselves together for an hour on zoom. Oh yeah. But they're wasting your time because it's like watching a movie. Like, you know, Hey, what's up? Like my head's not in the game. I'm just doing it because I've got nothing better to do. So I just find people are, they're, they're less focused. They're less serious. It's just, I don't know. It's just harder to make it something that's real. Gotcha. I, I'm curious. Can we talk about online dating? Yeah. (laughs) Cause that's what your new book is about. Uh, okay. You gotta have to explain it to me. Cause I, I mean, yeah, you didn't grow up in that world, did you? <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I never had to go on like. Okay, so J date was a thing when I was dating, uh-huh. uh, but I never have been on it because you didn't need to. I didn't need to be. <laughs> Although I did have a roommate who met her husband on J date, so that was neat. They're still married, um, but I, I don't understand how like it can can work online. Okay. So, well, similar to your husband, you guys met, you emailed, you were in touch, you were online. Yeah, but we met in real life. You found him online. Yeah. You met in real life, but you did develop a relationship online. So that component of it can happen. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what I love about online dating is that if you're somebody who likes organization, they organize it for you. They get all the details there. They ask all the questions. Mm-hmm. They want to know about you and what you do and where you live and how much you earn and, you know, give me, you know, all these stats and answer these hundred questions and we'll do compatibility. And they give you tons of data and information. So if you're somebody who likes data and information, there's a lot there. Now, the user has to input that information. So some people put in a lot and it's helpful. And other people put in like, hi. Would love to meet you. Message me, and that's all you get. Right. They're like next pass. So, um, as somebody who really values data and information, I like online dating because we can get a lot of information. Mm-hmm. The challenge is that you usually have to weed through a lot of frogs. not for use. Yeah, a lot of frogs before you find your prince. Right. So, um, I do a reverse engineered type search. Okay. So most people like to search and they want to find as many people as possible. I would like you to do a search and come up with no more than 10 people when you click search. Okay. That means that you have to be ridiculously narrow and specific in what you want. So make your age range, a really narrow age range, make your location very close to where you are or where you want to be living. Um, choose other specific preferences so that it narrows down your pool of people. If you click search and about 500 people pop up, you did this very wrong. I want no more than 10. If you, if you click search and zero people pop up, excellent. You have mastered the art of finding somebody. So once you find zero people, what you actually need to do is then slowly expand your search, increase the age, by a few years, increase the distance and location by 50 miles, right? Mm -hmm. Start to slowly increase. And then you should have like, poof, 10 people pop up. Then after that, if you don't find anybody you like, then poof, you should get 25. Don't do a huge jump and try to search through 500 people. It's not 
specific enough to what you want. There's way too many frogs. I expect if there are a hundred people that pop up, I expect for you to be interested in no more than one to two of those people out of a hundred. Do you really want to be searching through a hundred? I'd rather you search through 10 at first that are really highly qualified. Um, so I usually say out of a hundred people, 90 people, 90% is really going to be very wrong for you. Like literally a flat out no, not a maybe knows they should all 90 out of 100 should be flat out no way not for me and you should be very clear about that about eight percent a total of eight people out of 100 you're gonna be like well i don't know maybe i mean i could say yes unless you will have a conversation right and then there's two percent about two people that you're like oh i'd like to know more that's usually what happens and most people really think that there should be about 50 maybes but there's not it's <laughs> okay. just not on average, how many people do your clients go out with before they get married? Oh, such a good question. I have a range of singles that I work with. So I work with 20s through 60s plus, all ages, all stages, all backgrounds. Um, I have had people get married to, you know, within the first five people that may, they've met. And I've also had people not find anybody until after, you know, the 200th person that they've gone out with. Wow. Um, Oh on average, I can't even imagine going with, out with 200 people. Yeah. On average, I would say anywhere from 35 to 65 people. Uh-huh. And it depends. I mean, look, I, I work a lot. Um, I've worked with younger singles. Um, you know, my specialty is older singles. You know, it depends on what religious crowd you say that in. You know, <laughs> some communities <laughs> older is 23 and other communities older is 63. Right. So... Um, well, what's the average uh, age of your clients? Average age, I would say thirties, forties. Okay. I deal with twenties through sixties, but thirties and forties is like the sweet spot and the hot spot or 25 to even 55. Okay. Okay. Lisa, I've worked with mothers and then they send me their daughters, you know, ah. like the mother gets remarried. It's really cute. Really That's sweet. awesome. Tell us how we can reach you. You can find out about me at marriagemindedmentor.com. There are tons of articles. Um, I have over 70 articles that we published on h.com. And also there's interviews. And I have now almost 25 pre-recorded webinars. They're 90 minutes each. We've been running them the entire pandemic once a week. Wow. Okay. And there's amazing content all at marriagemindedmentor.com. Amazing. And you have a, a special offer, right? That if they email yes. coach at marriagemindedmentor.com, if, if, and, uh, and they write in the subject line journey to organization, then they can get a free copy of your new book. Yes, absolutely. That is for all of your listeners. We would love to share the, our new uh, book, virtual dating with them. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah. So virtual dating is your guide to a relationship in a socially distanced world. And I've had people say to me, I read the book. It's not only about virtual dating, like it's just great dating advice. So I really think that this book is made for the modern world and made for the modern dater. And it takes you through the beginning stages of dating, what to do and how to navigate. It takes you through the middle stages of dating, what happens if it is working or it isn't working and what direction to go. And really it lands you um, and, and, and you end up at going from, you know, I like you to I want to marry you. That's, that's the goal. And this book has um, a lot of wisdom, many exercises and activities that are in it as well. I really um, loved so it. It was so organized. 
Right? I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I'm like, you can't just read a book. You have to experience the book. So I put exercises in there to make sure that people are getting something out of this and that you actually walk away with something that's going to actually help you in dating. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you think it's really important for our listeners to know about organization and dating or organization and getting married or anything we so left I'll out? Tell you, okay. So it's not that we left this out, but I'll tell you a little, um, a little, a little thing, a personal thing about me, which is a part of my dating journey. I, I wasn't as organized as, you know, I am now in terms of dating and going about this, um, as systematically. Yeah. I mean, I was doing it systematically. It was in my head more than it was on paper. I've just taken everything that's in my head and put it on paper, but I was very clear about what I wanted in a relationship. And there were certain details that I really wasn't compromising on. Um, and one of those was that I wanted to make, um, Aliyah and I wanted to move to Israel. And a lot of people, they're like, yeah, wait, maybe one day. And I was like, no, no, it's an important thing in my life. I'm not doing it right now. I get that but I do want to be there one day and I want to make sure that I have a partner that's on board with, with that. And so when I met my husband and we were dating, we started to talk about it and I mentioned Aliyah and he's like, yeah, I also want to make Aliyah. And I was like, no, no, like, this is a deal. Like, we're, <laughs> I, I'm not just satisfied with you saying, yeah, me too. I want a deal. And, and we made a deal that we were going to get married and honor before our seventh wedding anniversary that we would make Aliyah. And that was the deal. And I wasn't going to get married unless I knew. I told him, I don't want to get stuck in America. I want to make sure that we go. And around our sixth wedding anniversary, um, we renegotiated because the timeline wasn't a reasonable timeline for us. And we basically took it off the table and said, well, we are going to go, but we're not going now. And we actually have no idea when we're going to go. Um, so we have no active plans of making Aliyah. And that was, I have to tell you, it was very painful for me because we had a plan and, and I knew what I wanted and I knew I wasn't getting it. And we just um, celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Me too. Yay. Mazel <laughs> and happy 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah, We're fine. finally going to be making Aliyah. That's so amazing. you have to know that no matter what plans you make and what deals you make and the things that you put into play, when you live life together with a partner, you have to live life. And life sometimes means changing those things that are very important to you. And if you would have asked me, you know, 11 years ago at our seven year anniversary when we didn't make Aliyah, I was devastated. And I let it go for many years and I had to not even focus on it and put any effort into it because otherwise it would have ruined my marriage and I would have been too upset. And sometimes, you know, they say like, when you let it go, it sets you free and there's that whole thing. Right. But when you actually tap into this will happen because this is a part of the plan, but I actually now don't have a timeline on it. Right. And that's hard for me because I do like organization and timeline. Right. And, and that I just know that my partner and I are on the same page, even though it doesn't look like we're ever going to make it happen. You know, sometimes God puts in play a world pandemic and then poof, you make Aliyah and, you know, sorted itself <laughs> out. <laughs> but honestly, we really didn't have plans of of this until the pandemic hit and it really took a miracle to make this happen. Right. Um, but what it didn't do was it didn't ruin my marriage. That's so amazing. make yeah, your made... deals, but 
don't walk out even when things don't go exactly as you planned. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aliza. If you need to reach out to Aliza, please reach out at coach at marriagemindedmentor.com. And don't forget, you can get a free copy of her new book when you email coach at marriagemindedmentor.com with the subject journey to organization in the subject line. And if you want to reach out to me, because maybe you want help planning your Aliyah, uh, email Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com or to just book a coaching call on how to declutter in general. Either way, I'm happy to help you plan for Aliyah or just regular decluttering. As always, I'm wishing you a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.